0: Welcome to the Simple Gospel Church Podcast. Raising a generation that will stand for Christ. Ephesians chapter 2, let's look at from verse 8 to verse 10. It says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. It says that it's by grace you are saved, not by um, your own works. So lest any man should boast. Then he says that we have his workmanship um, created in Christ Jesus for good works. Which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. I've said it sometime before, but I'm going to repeat it again that... This word workmanship is it doesn't f- to completely capture what um Paul is actually saying here. Paul is speaking about something that is unique and distinct, right? He's not just speaking about something that you can mass produce like these chairs. These chairs are mass produced, right? So look at all of them, they all look the same. The only difference is these ones are blue, the ones at the back are are black right? But they are essentially the same thing. That's not what he's talking about here. He's talking about uniqueness, distinctness. That when he says that we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. He's talking about a creative masterpiece. He's telling us that Dami is different from me. No matter what, Dami can never be me. I can never be Dummy. right? No matter what, Stammery Joy can never be J.B., JB cannot be stammering Joy. As all these children are here, all of them have different destinies before God. They cannot all do the same thing, even if any of them were twins, right? Even if they were identical, they are still God's creative masterpiece. And so, if you are the maker's masterpiece, what is required of us? What has he made us for? It says here that he prepared us beforehand for good works, Right? But what does good works entail, that's some of the things that we're going to be looking at throughout the month of February. And I'm not going to be the only one that will be speaking to you. Your other pastors will also be speaking to you. Pastor Femi will be speaking to you. Pastor Wenga will be speaking to you at some point in the month of February. But I'm here to introduce this um, theme to you so you will prepare your heart and open your heart for what God wants you to learn. So... What are good works? The good works that are expected of the Maker's Masterpiece, uh, we're going to look at four different things. Um, And the four things happen to start with the letter W, right? And so today we'll look at the first W, then next we could look at the second, upper we'll look at the third, and the last we could look at the fourth. The first of the years, were created to worship. Amen. We created to worship. So as God's creative masterpiece, we're created to worship. Can we look at Revelation chapter 4 verse 11? Revelation 4:11. It says, "You are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory, honor, and what, and power, for you created all things, and by your will they exist and were created." Other versions will say, "For that created," KJV will say, "For that created all things, and for your pleasure, they are and were created." We have a song that was pulled directly from this verse. But if you notice, the verse starts with the words, "You are worthy, O Lord." Because he is the creator of everyone. Because he is the origin of the universe. Eh? That is why he is worthy of what? Glory, honor, and what? And power. Because it says you are worthy of Lord to receive glory, honor, and power. Then he answers the question why is he worthy to receive glory and honor and power? The reason the answer to that question is what? For you created what? All things. And by your will, they exist and were created. So what that means is that without God, there's no existence. And so the first thing that you and I, as this creative masterpiece, are made to do is to what? Is to worship. Because believe me when I say all these birds that are flying about, they are worshiping God very faithfully. Right? The trees are worshiping God faithfully. In fact, the only beings that are unfaithful in worship are human beings. We're the only ones. Because we're the only ones that can say no. The animals can say no. Right? So that's the first thing, to worship. That's the first W. And that's what we look at today. But let me just list out the rest so you can see it. The second is to work. To what? To work. God created us to work. Right from the Garden of Eden, let's look at Genesis chapter 2, verse 15. Genesis chapter 2, verse 15. i just read it quickly. It says, Then the Lord God took the man and put him in the what? In the garden to tend and what? To keep it. Right from the inception of the creation of human being. There has always been what? Work. We're created to work. There's something that you are made to do. I remember that when I was a bit younger, um, When we're being taught about purpose, I remember that um, one of the statements that struck me because it it made so much sense to me and I've never heard heard before is purpose has to exist before you create um, what would essentially fulfill that purpose. What that means is that God could not have created the Garden of Eden after Adam. He had to plant that garden before Adam came. Because Adam had to come to do something. So he won't make Adam. And after he makes Adam, he will not say, "Eh, what do I want to use this man to do? Let me what? Let me quickly plant a garden. It doesn't work that way. A purpose will always exist before you bring something to fulfill it. And that's how the world works. Everything that has ever been invented in this world, they saw a need first. Then some people went and carried it out. So that barrel in your hand or that pencil in your hand or whatever you're using to write, somebody saw a need and then invented it. They did not invent it, then start asking questions. "Eh, What can we use this thing to do? It doesn't make sense, right? There's always a need before something comes into existence. So the people that made this mic and the speaker realized that they needed voices to what? To be amplified, to go far. They did not make it first and now start thinking to themselves, ah, what can we use this thing to do? Right? And so it's the same with man. God did not make man and start to ask himself, what is he going to do with man? No. He had a purpose in mind first before he created man. And right from the first man, we see that as soon as he made him, he put him to work. He put him to what? put him to work. So the second W is that man was made to what? To work. The third is that, as his creative masterpiece or the maker's masterpiece, we're called to watch, to what, watch, W-A-T-C-H, and let's just look at Ezekiel chapter three verse seventeen, so you can understand what I mean by watch. Ezekiel three what, seventeen. I know what the limits or the confines of my watching is. He says, son of man, I have made you a watchman for the house of what was Israel. Therefore, hear a word from my mouth and give them warning from what? From me. Right? Maybe you bring this and you extrapolate what he was telling to Ezekiel. I'm not the one teaching you this watching. I'll just give you an expo. But when I speak about watching in this context, I'm speaking about intercession. I'm speaking about essentially bringing things to God. We are are God's representatives on this earth, and we are the ones that are caretakers of the will of God and of the directive of the kingdom on this earth. Christians are not supposed to be powerless because Christianity is not powerless, right? Because Christianity is not powerless, God has placed us here as watchmen. And when I say watchman, it doesn't have anything to do with gender. Both men are and women. Because essentially, when Jesus taught his his disciples how to pray, you know, when he said teach us how to pray, what did they start with? He said, "Our Father who art in what in heaven, hallowed be your name." then your kingdom come then the next thing he says is what your will be what be done on earth as it is in heaven that statement thy will be what be done on earth as it is in heaven it's a statement of watching in that until we are reunited with Jesus again we are standing here as representatives of the kingdom of God and we have a responsibility if we do not have a responsibility, Paul will not be writing to Timothy and saying, Pray for the, those who are in authority. Because he wrote to Timothy and told him, Pray for what? Pray for those who are in authority. And that scripture says, Pray for the peace of Israel. Because if Israel has peace, you have what? You have peace. And so we are watchmen. Hmm? We're not just meant to pass through this world as um, hiding, hiding Christians. Were God's eyes and his ears on this earth. So that's the third W to be expanded on later in the month. So make yourself available. And the fourth is we're called to war, W-A-R. We're called to what? To war. That's one of the things that we have to do as God's creative masterpiece. Can we look at Luke chapter 10, verse 19? Luke ten 19. Let's start from 18, sorry. It says, And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from what? From heaven. Behold, I give you the authority to trample upon serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. And nothing shall by any means hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this. I'm reading 20 that the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in what? In heaven. So this context, what happened here was Jesus sent the 70 out. He sent them to preach, and he also sent them to perform signs. So he gave them power to perform signs. So 70 of them went out, and they went in pairs, and they were casting out demons, and people were getting healed, and people were getting delivered, and they came back excited. If it's you two, you'll be excited now. Something you've never done before. And all of a sudden, people are getting saved, getting delivered, getting healed. And so when they came back to him, immediately they gave him this and they were rejoicing and happy. He started by saying, I saw Satan fall what? Like lightning. And then he said, I've given you authority. What he's saying to them essentially is, don't be surprised at this thing that just happened. This thing happened because Satan has already what? fallen." And so Jesus, even being on earth at that point, all he came to do is he came to enact what will be our final victory, which is why he said, do not be excited about this. Be excited that your name has been written, what? In the book of life. Because by his death and resurrection, he's paid the price for all of us. But the reason why this last W is important is because we're also here to war. There's warfare for us to fight. It's part of what it means to be the maker's masterpiece. That as long as we're in this world, the devil doesn't get to just trample us. Doesn't get to step on our neck because he has given us what? Authority. And so worship, work, watching and what? And war, warfare, four W's. I like using these things because they are mnemonics you will not forget because we're in school. We're always in school in this church. Amen. So I'll talk to you a bit about worship and then we'll pray some prayers. Then we'll close service for today. What does it mean for us to be made to worship? We have someone in the Bible who had a very interesting conversation with Jesus. We usually call her Samaritan woman, right? And she had that conversation in John. Bible, so of the Bibles to the book of John. I think John chapter 4. John chapter 4. And I would like us to read from verse 19 to 24. So it says... The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, and you Jews say that in Jerusalem is the place where one ought to worship. Jesus said to her, Woman, (coughs) believe me, the hour is coming when you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We know what we worship. For salvation is of the Jews. But the hour is coming, and now is, when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in what? In spirit and truth. Yeah. This is a very popular verse. Some people know it, some people don't. Um, But if you've been in church for any length of time, you probably have heard it Once or twice. So, what does it mean for us to be created to worship? This woman had a similar question. This woman was a religious woman. Mm -hmm. Mm. Whether you are Samaritan or Jew, you are probably religious. Because this woman was worshipping somewhere. If she was not worshipping somewhere, she would not have had that question. When she said, I perceive you are a prophet. Why did she say that? Because Jesus told her the secret of her life. Jesus said, go and bring your husband. She said, I don't have a husband. Jesus said it's true that you don't have a husband. And Jesus told her she had had five husbands. But the one that is with her now is not what? a husband. And she was blown away. And she said, I perceive you are what a prophet. Because nobody can tell me this thing that I've never told anybody. And you are missing me and telling me this. And as a prophet, she had a question for him naturally. He was a Jewish man. He was a prophet. And she had a question about worship. And that tells you something about a woman. Because for some other people, the first thing that might have come to their heart might not be a question about worship, right? It might be a question about blessing, or promotion, <laughs> right? And so when we read the Bible, we have to know that even the people that God uses, because this woman was used by God, because it was this woman's testimony that prepared Samaria, to receive the gospel. The gospel came to Samaria and we're told the story. The Bible says in the book of Acts that an evangelist called Philip went to Samaria to preach. And when he preached, he had a lot of success there. He won, he, he, there was a revival there. And people received Jesus in mass. Why did that happen? Someone has already sown a seed. The seed has been sown by who? By the Samaritan woman this woman here, because after this encounter with Jesus, what happened was, she went and called everybody and said, come and see this man that has told me everything that happens to me. And the Bible says that later, the people came and met Jesus. And they said, now we believe. Not just because of what you said, but because we have seen him. So the town was already ripe for salvation. And when Jesus died and he ascended, the Spirit of God sent Philip to Samaria to go and finish that work that Jesus himself started in this chapter. And so, we can see the kind of heart the woman has. She found out that she had a prophet standing in front of her, and her primary concern was this worship thing, right? Like, you people say one thing, we will say another thing. What's the right answer? And Jesus was candid with her. Jesus told her that you don't know what you worship. We know what you worship because salvation is of the Jews, and it is true. Because Jesus was Jewish. But then he didn't stop there. He said, but even that itself has changed. Because his time is coming and that time is now. Where God is looking for true worshippers. And those worshippers will worship in spirit and in truth. What he's saying is that even the Jews will need to conform to this new standard. And they never conform to it. Instead, what they did was they killed him, right? They never conformed to it. And so, what does it mean to worship in spirit? What does it mean to worship in truth? Worshiping in spirit has to do with the source, right? Worshiping in truth has to do with the motivation or the character or the attitude, I repeat it, worshipping in spirit has to do with what? The source. Worshipping in truth has to do with the motivation, character, attitude. And so, if you want to put it in that way, worshipping in spirit has to do with the reality of your worship. Worshipping in truth has to do with the sincerity. Of what? Of your worship. Reality, sincerity. So worship in spirit means that anybody that does not know God or who has not given their lives to Jesus cannot even begin to have this conversation, right? Because worship is supposed to be for the entirety of humanity. Because when we look at this topic, the maker's masterpiece is not limited to Christians. But unfortunately, it's only only Christians that can experience it. Because Jesus created every human being uniquely. He didn't just create the Christians uniquely. Salvation is for all. And those that do not know Jesus today also have something that God wants to use them for. True or false? Christianity is inclusively exclusive. Exclusive. I might seem like grammar, is not. Some people try to talk about the exclusivity of it. And say, uh-uh. and I was talking to some young people in this office. And they wasted my time, daddy. Like I just, I forgot most of things discussed. But I got to a point when we're talking and one of them got so upset. And the person now, she now said, why does he always have to be like that with you people? When she said you people, she meant who? Christians. So before that time, she had not admitted that she wasn't one, but me already knew. (laughs) But that point, when she said you people, she didn't say us, have you? She said you people. You people means ah, you Christians. Because the thing is, the exclusivity of Christianity is what the world fights. Because almost every other religion will tell you that oh we can all do it together hmm? you just practice your own we'll practice our own we are all. G- it's different road to the same what to the same destination it's like you want to go <coughs> you want to go to the island there are different ways to get to the island hmm. or you want to go to ajara there are different ways to get to ajara that's what they say that it's different routes to the same destination True Christianity is not like that. True Christianity says there's only one way, right? There's only one way to the Father. And that's exclusive. But it doesn't mean Christianity is not inclusive. It's also inclusive. It's inclusive because it's saying, "Hey, come and join us in this way. It's the only way, but it's open to you. If you want to join, come and what? Come and join. But if you don't want to join, then you don't have the way. And so... Everybody is God's masterpiece. But as we start with the first one, which is the paramount one, which is worship, right? Not everybody can worship God because worship has a source. And it says we must worship in what? In spirit and in truth. And so those who do not have a regenerated spirit, because what happens when you give your life to Jesus is that the spirit of God comes to what? To live inside you that's the source of worship, in that you and God can now connect, right? So one of the most annoying things about Apple products is that they've des- designed themselves in such a way that if you have an Apple phone, right, you cannot really enjoy it to the fullest if you don't have an Apple laptop, in terms of connectivity, right? And you now go towards the airports, the wristwatch. They've, they've designed the operating system in such a way that if you buy one of their products, you will be tempted to get another one because you will not be able to enjoy that product to the fullest. So it's not like all these other products. It's very frustrating to use. Some people don't like using them because of that, because they are expensive, <laughs> And so, if you have a Mac, you might be tempted to get an iPhone. Because before you can even say you want to get a file from your Mac to another ordinary phone, you have to now start buying some stupid ports that will do some stupid things. You can do it, but it's very hard. Right? If you don't know, I'm telling you, it's hard. But you see, for every other pedestrian thing, whether it's Samsung or Xiaomi or whatever, just plug it, to go, because they all have similar ways. But well, that's that's the selling point of Apple. They say that we are not creating just gadgets. We are creating. They, they 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 treat it like a family thing, right? They were creating an experience. Exactly. And so some people's homes are tuned to Apple's. They have security system. They have the gadgets in their house are controlled by their phone. Because even on, on an Apple phone, you can tune some people use their phones to monitor their babies in their rooms. Because Apple has designed so many products. And so you can reduce the light in your baby's room. You can know when your baby is crying. You can from wherever you are. Automated. But it only works if you have what? An Apple product. And I'm using this to describe what it means to have the spirit of God inside you. It's not the same, obviously, but it's the same idea, right? That God is spirit. The Holy Spirit is one of the Trinity. And he is now living where? In you. And so because he is now inside you, you can connect to what? To God. But this is not the only thing that matters when it comes to the source of worship. Because essentially, man has three parts. Man has his spirit, which is the real him or her. Man also has what? his soul. A man lives in a body. The body is who we are looking at. So we are looking at our bodies. We can't see our souls, but we can describe our souls to an extent because your personality is within your soul. The way you think is within what? Your soul. Your emotions are within your soul, your will to do things that oh, I stood up and I came to church. that decision was made inside what your soul. And then there's your body that takes you about. It's the engine that carries you up and down. The source of our worship is our spirits. but things have to happen to both our souls and our bodies. For us to be truly effective as worshippers of God, which is why, in the book of Romans, it says that we should present what our bodies as a sacrifice unto God. let's read this Romans chapter twelve, so it doesn't look like I'm just calling out Romans twelve from verse one to two. It says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable worth service. verse 2, And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your what? Your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. The reason why we are counseled to do this by Paul is because Paul knows that although God is in your spirit, if something does not change in your soul, And if you do not commit this, your body to God, you will still not be able to worship the way you should. And so the way you think has to change. If the way you think does not change, yes, you have given your life to Jesus. But it's like there's something blocking. If you've not completely surrendered yourself to the service of God, because essentially. The places that you go at, who is what is carrying you there? Is not your legs and your hands. Hmm? If you go to Romans chapter six, Romans chapter six talks about how we should not, our members should not be members that are dedicated to what, to unrighteousness. It means that there are some places that your body must not take take you anymore now that you're a Christian. There are some friends that you cannot visit anymore now that you're a Christian. There are some conversations that you should not have anymore now that you're a Christian. Because your tongue is part of what? Of your body, right? Right? Uh So there's some things that you should not say anymore. So you have to present your body to God. And you have to make sure that your mind changes. And the only thing that can successfully change your mind really is this word. That's why it says you have to renew your mind. So it's not the day that you become, a, when you become a Christian, today you give your life to Christ, or last year, or last two years. No, There's no app that as soon as you give your life to Christ and it just now downloads the whole Bible into your brain. Does it exist? No. Is there any such software? that Oh, the day you give your life to Christ and I say, okay, come for the installation of the Bible. And even if they install it, it doesn't mean your thinking has changed. And so, although the source of our worship is our spirits, we have to ensure that things change within our souls. We have to conform our emotions to God. We have to conform our thinking to God. We have to conform our will to God and His Word. That is the only way that our worship can truly flow without any stress. We have to make s- some decisions about the way we use our body. When we talk about our body, people think only about sexual sin. It's beyond sexual sin. Sexual sin is part of it, but it's not the only thing. There are some people that they don't have sexual sin problem, but the devil has dealt with them when it comes to gluttony, Gl- food. And they die early because they have no control over what they eat. And it was not God's intention for them to die at that time. Is it not the same body? Have it? Some people overwork themselves to death. And so, if this is the house that God has given to you to do everything that he wants you to do in this life, then taking care of it is part of, is, is, is part of the exercise, right? You have to take care of it. Bible says that cleanliness is next to what is next to godliness it's true because if if the environment is not clean and you don't try to live clean you be you breed what you breed gems and bacteria and if you breed gems and bacteria you fall sick and if you fall sick, you can't be infected f- to God. Can a sick person pray well no. Can a sick person do God's work? To? No. And so presenting our bodies as a living sacrifice to God, yes, I mean, for y- particularly for the youth, the way the world is now, sex is currency. And because sex is currency, we have to preach it. So I'm not denying it. Sex is currency. Sex sells. Sex sells everything. 90% of our mu- musicians, they don't work a lot even including the men, because they are now doing other things. They don't wear clothes. They just, I don't know, just put material on their body and they just walk around the streets. They don't, do you understand? Like, there's actually a war against men, in my humble opinion. Like, men were suffering, because everywhere we turn, problems. And uh, they would, it's a, it's a wicked world. So when I look at, like, young people growing up, I saw... Yesterday, a child psychologist was, was literally crying online, crying. She said that she does, she does s- therapy. And she said that the kind of things that children between the age of 7 and 10, the things that they are saying that they are going through to her, that she's afraid. She's in the U.S. She's afraid. And she was saying that she's not just coming out to talk because she wants attention that she said that parents need to wake up and realize the danger that their kids are in. And a lot of parents do it, because I read the comments, a lot of parents were there commenting and said, this is the reason why I did not give my child a phone till the child was so-so-and-so so, so age. This is the reason why I did not do this. I did not do that. Because it's beyond just sexuality. Children, are pres- young children are pressured into... All these body modification th- things and all. it's just a very useless world. Right? And so, do you think the devil is introducing these things into the world without knowing that? Like, he, he's not foolish. Do you understand? Like, Satan is not stupid. It's not a coincidence that Satan is implanting it into their minds that if you don't have, if you're a boy and you don't like it, you have a choice. Or if you don't like your skin tone, you have what? you have a choice. Oh, if you don't like this soul, you have a choice. You can change it if you want. Knowing fully well that even if somebody's spirit is regenerated, it will take the miraculous power of God to fix their bodies to be able to be functional for Jesus in these last days, even when some people get saved with the amount of things that they have done. Do you understand? This body is the only house you have you cannot borrow another. If you use it anyhow, are you going to say, okay, God, please give me another one? Miracles happen, though. Some people, God has healed them of some things because of his mercy. But well, that's not the story of everyone. Some people give their lives to Jesus, and yes, they go to heaven. But on their deathbed, they are filled with a lot of regret because now they are willing to serve God. But they bastardize themselves, and they don't have the strength to do it. Because of how they've lived. Why? Because we must present this body as what? As a sacrifice. And that's the only way that the spirit of God that is living inside us. Will be able to permeate through our souls. That's our mind. Our, that's our intellect. Our emotions and our will. And also permeates to our body. That's how we have to be listening to God. Because God is concerned about what you eat, what you wear, where you go, where you don't go. Because this is the house that he gives you. And so that's, that's all I, I want to say to you today about worship in spirit. The source, right? That's the reality of your worship. Now, worshiping in truth has to do with the sincerity of your worship. And I already commended the Samaritan woman. Because at least from this conversation and from what came after, it will seem that this woman was seeking for truth. Because if she was not seeking for truth, like I said, when she found out or perceived that he was a prophet, she might have come to him with her biggest problem, right? But the fact that she asked him a question about where to worship means that it's something she cared about. And God used that conversation with her to teach us some things some of the most important passages of scripture that jesus was jesus in conversation with people that were not even his disciples the most popular scripture in the bible john 3 16 was not some profound teaching in front of his disciples it was when he was conversing with a man called nicodemus who came to him at night right and when jesus said for god so loved the world that he gives only because his son Because when I was talking to Nicodemus, it was a conversation conversation where Nicodemus hid and came to visit this man because he didn't want his fellow Sanhedrin to know that he was consulting Jesus because he was supposed to be a leader. And so, to worship in truth has to do with the sincerity of it, yeah? And before we talk about our own personal sincerity, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and what? and the life. When you're approaching truth, you approach truth from the practicality and the reality of what the Bible says. Hmm? Not what you want it to say. Not the scriptures that you like. The reality of everything that the Bible says. In context... Because that's what it means to worship in what? In truth. Because the highest representation of truth is Jesus himself. And Jesus is in his word. Right? So there's an aspect of truth that has to do with you. But the first aspect of truth has to do with the word itself. Some people are waiting to hear from God supernaturally. And when they come to God, like, the first thing that they are looking for is that supernatural Experience of God speaking to them, of them hearing some audible voice. They hear some testimonies of people having encounters with God, and they desire to have their encounters true too, rather. And I have no problem with such desires. Because if you desire it, then God will give it to you. But I am rem- always, I always remember a story that he told us, of how God called. God called someone. And he has sent so many people to him. And he kept saying, God has to tell me what? Myself. That if God truly wants to call me, he has to come and tell me by himself. And the day he will have the encounter, he did not find it funny. Because he had, God had already told him that he had called him. But he refused to hear. What's the point I'm trying to make? The point I'm trying to make is, there is no encounter that will be able to defeat the stubbornness and insincerity of our heart if we are not just willing to take what God says as face value. So before you are looking for something big, open this Bible and read it. God has something to say to you. And you have to take his truth. Hmm? You have to take his words. His truth. If you open yourself up to this Bible, it says that the Word of God is for what? It's for reproof, it's for for correction, it's for instruction in righteousness. You don't need any other teacher, not really. With the Spirit of God inside you and the Word of God, the Spirit of God will just be be guiding you naturally if you are open to what? To listening to His truth. If you are open to listening to what? To His truth. And so to to worship in truth begins with the sincerity of our approach to the word because the word of God is the ultimate truth. And then the other aspect of truth is sincerity with ourselves, particularly in our relationship with God. David was a flawed man, right? But he was honest. He was a flawed man, no? But he was what? He was honest. He was honest with God. He was honest with what? With himself. And and that was his secret. God called him a man after his own heart. Because he was honest. David could clearly see his own depravity. And he would go and tell God, this is who I am. I still read Psalm 91 this morning. Psalm 91, he's the psalm of repentance after the Bathsheba incident. When you read that psalm, you know that this man, he truly repented. And if you see the things he was saying about himself, because he could see what? Himself. He was very honest. He was flawed, but he was what? Honest. About the, the, the depravity of himself. He was very, very aware of his own depravity. And It is very necessary in our worship of God. Eh? If you look at all the people that God abandoned. Or the bad examples in scripture. It is mostly because they couldn't see themselves. Saul. Saul could not see himself. Before God. Because Saul started well. But at some point on his journey. He got to a point where he started to believe that he was the king right and it doesn't work all the accounts that we have of men that god really was able to use they were able to see themselves and you have to have a very 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 practical and truthful perception of who you are where you are and how you are with god because that's the only way you can enjoy a rich relationship with him. That was the difference between Moses and his siblings. God dealt with Miriam and Aaron because they disrespected Moses, right? Because Moses was their younger brother. But if you check why they disrespected him, it was because they, they had no, they could not see themselves. They saw themselves as man of God, woman of God too, right? So Aaron saw himself as priest, too. And Miriam saw herself as what? As prophetess, too. But when God called Moses, and he was giving the hierarchy of the relationship, he told Moses that Moses would be like God to what? To Aaron. He said that Aaron would be Moses' mouthpiece. That essentially, God will speak to Moses. Moses, will who will speak to who? Aaron and Aaron will speak to the people. That was the arrangement of the relationship from day one. Cause I read Exodus recently. And so, the point when Aaron somehow, for whatever reason, twisted this relationship, and Miriam too, twisted it, and she got leprosy, it's because they did not have a real. They didn't have what they were not living in truth. They were not living in what? In truth. What killed Gehazi and destroyed his ministry? His lack of truth. It wasn't sincere. What killed Ananias and Sapphira? It was what? Lack of truth. They were not sincere. And they came before Peter. This thing was voluntary offering no. And they could have come and they could have said, What? Oh, we sold it for this amount. We brought this because this, this, this. We had to pay school fees. I'm just saying. We had to do this. We had to do that. And if they said that to Peter, will Peter fight them? No. But you see, what they colluded to do was a reflection of where their heart was. They wanted glory. And even if his praise just from Peter from something that they actually did not what did not do, and that's what killed them, and it comes from what lack of sincerity. Look at Paul throughout paul's life paul when he, once he starts to talk about himself, he doesn't waste five minutes before he starts talking about how such a terrible person he is, right? Read his letters. Before you know it, you open his mouth and say, Among sinners, in which I was what? I was chief. Why? He never lost sight of who he actually is. With all the miracles, with all the things that God used him to do, every time he thinks about himself, he doesn't think about himself in the context of great apostle, great evangelist, great. Do you understand? He thinks about himself as someone that is a chief among sinners and so to worship God in truth (laughs) means to be constantly in tune with who you are and who you would have been without him because that's what keeps you humble that's what keeps you seeking more and more of him and that is the kind of person that God lifts up That knows that he or she is the worst person in this world. And that believes it. That's what it means to worship in truth. Take the word of God at face value. But also see yourself. See yourself. And know that without him, like he said, without me you can what? You can do nothing. You really are nothing. Because when that is your perception God can lift you up because God can trust you. Because he knows that when he takes you from point A to point B you'll be thinking to yourself can I do this? And when he takes you from point B to point C how you see yourself is still God I can't do this without you. that's, That's David's secret. That's the secret of his life. That he never saw himself as a king. And the moments that he made mistakes were these lapses where he actually acted like a king. Have you noticed? The three mistakes that David made were the times in his life when he acted like a king, like a Gentile king. He took somebody's wife, Abby. That's what they do. That's their everyday life. (laughs) Then he did census for his people. Those were the only times that he acted like what? A king. But check every other aspect of his life. He acted, he was a king that behaved like a commoner. That's why his wife insulted him. (laughs) And said, look at him, disgracing himself, just dancing on the streets with everybody else. Because although he was in that position, he never saw himself that way. But what makes him such a beautiful man is that as soon as he recognizes his mistake, he goes back to what? He goes back to his God and humbles himself and tells God, I am nothing, no. I am what? I am absolutely nothing. And that's what helped him. And that's what will help us. That's what will help us. Not to have any elevated sense of self, kill self. And let God just bring out the beauty he wants to bring out in your life. But always relate with him in truth. (laughs) In truth. The truth of his word. And the truth of where you are. And who you are. Be honest with God. And as long as you can do that. You will see that your worship to God will be good. And you will grow. So, to conclude, worshipping God in spirit is the reality of our worship. Worshipping God in truth is what? It's the sincerity of our worship. And both of them are the components that we as Christians really need to adopt. And the Lord will continue to strengthen us in Jesus' name. Shall we rise up to pray? Thank you for listening to this message. The Simple Gospel Church is a church arm of World Impact Ministries, dedicated to taking the gospel all over the world.